This is Talkin' Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talkin' Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Blacktail Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking Mule Deer. Hey, this is Jody Stemmler. And I'm Steve Belinda, and welcome back to Talkin' Mule Deer. Today, we've got a very special guest. Someone we know really well, someone who we admire uh, a lot. It's Mike Lauder. And I've had on the show quite a few times. Yeah, you know, Mike is our Director of Field Operations. Welcome, Mike. How are you guys doing today? I'm glad to be here. So tell us what's been going on, Mike. I know uh, we've had a few, sh- we've had a long shutdown because of the COVID and, and the regional directors haven't been able to get out and a lot of events have been shutting down, but things are starting to get back going and moving along. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to and what some of the uh, regional directors have been doing recently. We've been uh, trying to fill in the blanks, to be honest with you, with uh, the postponement of a majority of our events. Uh, we were lucky enough to get a portion of them uh, done before the, the COVID mess. And since then, we've been, we, we rally every Monday. We've uh, had a great, great response to some of the things we're doing in the form of fundraising. Uh, you know, we still have to, to carry the torch and, and take care of our mule deer. So the guys have all been engaged in their own state raffles. We're allowed, we're, we're legal by law. And uh, for those that can't do that, we've been uh, doing online silent auctions. We've uh, taken some of the, the warehouse, warehouse uh, inventory and, and put it into silent auctions and giving those that support the organization the opportunity to purchase uh, some, some, some great things from MDF, you know, logoed items, kind of unique things that uh, maybe you wouldn't have seen at a banquet, but we had kind of overstock.com kind of thing going on. So <laughs> uh, for, for cash flow reasons, but uh, things are good. Guys have uh, kept a real positive attitude. Morale is really, really doing quite well. And the volunteer base has been amazing through this they've you know you get you get in a in a habit of having something or doing something a certain way at a certain time each year and then somebody comes along and says no we're gonna have to push you back two months and then you think you're good the second you know 60 days out you think you can pull it off and and then you know somebody else comes along and says you know what we're gonna have to push you back another 45 days so that i I can't you know hats off to the volunteers and the and the cooperation and the 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 can-do attitude of both my rd staff and and the volunteer base in this crazy time we're in, but uh, we're, we're forging forward. We're, we're generating revenue for mule deer. And, uh, you know, although in a different way, it's kind of helped us be creative and, and think of new ways to, to generate revenue. That's outstanding. And I understand some of those online auctions and things like that have done at least as well. And in some cases, if even better than they would have done at a, at a banquet. Is that correct? Especially with the, uh, the conservation permits and some of the, the tags, the state tags that we, you know, mm-hmm. they were, for years we've we've done them at, at events and with without there being events being held we've we've had to go with an online auction and we were up in every online auction that we did that that had anything to do with hunting or the outdoors we were up on on all the conservation permits all the the hunts and things that we had to raffle from the state and game agencies everything was up people really responded well to that and they took advantage of the opportunity to get online and 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 bid on these wonderful hunting opportunities that we had that's great news because I know the uh, those banquets obviously are such a key part of MDF's fundraising, and to have that shut down, there's, it's been a little bit of a stram- scramble to keep things going. It has, uh, you know, because it's not something we've done before. This right. isn't, you know, we've we've been faced with challenges, and, and somebody will say, "How do we do this?" I don't know. So we we, we <laughs> sit down and we put our heads together, and and we we come up with what we feel is the best, you know, approach and. And the guys from an RD staff, my guys that are in the field that are all over in different regions. And gal. 
and yeah, gal. and gal, absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've yeah, Colleen, we're not discriminating. States, <laughs> no, in some states, like in Colleen's case, she can't um, hold raffles because you can't gather publicly to to do the drawing. And so she's mm. been doing the silent auctions and helping other guys promote their raffles. So they've all pitched in and helped one another. I, I couldn't give a bigger shout out to to the can-do attitude that the field staff has had during this whole crazy time we're living in. Well, Mike, I know you've heard me tell you this. Um, you've assembled a wonderful team. Uh, they're a great group of guys and gals out there advocating and working with our volunteers and working with the public on behalf of Mule Deer. Um, and we couldn't be prouder because of your leadership on that. So thank you for that. Another thing that you've got going, Mike, and I know this has sort of been your baby the last few years, is the Ultimate Raffle. Tell us a bit about this. The Ultimate Raffle is it just kind of evolved into this amazing support for our organization and a, and a revenue source for us that uh, didn't formerly exist. Uh, we, you know, we talked to these donors and people that support our organization, and and our Ultimate Raffle, Ultimate Giveaway, is nine items comprised of everything from archery mule deer hunts in in Canada to the uh, mule deer hunts in Nebraska to uh, we've got a, a Polaris crew cab ATV sponsored by you know Les Schwab did the suspension and tires I think you guys got a chance to see it at Expo we've got some of the best assembled group of prizes I think that we've ever had in the ultimate raffle since I've been associated with it which has been over the last oh I guess four years now we've it just keeps getting better every year and the support for the organization the donations we've got at our brother's rifle custom built uh all the bells and whistles about a seven thousand dollar value uh that we're going to give oh. away you know we've got sponsors like hoyt and vortex and and the list goes on the, uh, the moose hunt. company we've got mule deer oh yeah yeah i'm looking at the moose hunt mike and you know i love to hunt moose and you know looking at that as number two i'm like yeah i'd take that over the polaris rangers number one any day but um <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a great slate of prizes how do how does someone purchase a ticket or know more about this it's it's very simple you can jump on our website and and actually purchase tickets right online uh there's all kinds of ticket packages they're ten dollars a piece but you know if you spend a little more you get a little more so there's there's options for uh incremental options as you as you go up in price but uh there's there's very easy to participate normally we would have sold those tickets at, at our at our banquets throughout the year with those being on hold for the time being, the, the best way, some of the guys are doing raffles, you know, in their local areas and things, but for the ultimate raffle, but the best way, if you're not near a, an event that's going to be happening anytime soon, is to just jump online. We're going to give it away August 3rd, Monday, August 3rd. We're going to have a lot of our sponsors in the NBF headquarters, and we're going to do it all live. Everybody's going to get to see the hand in the bucket and the tickets be stirred, and, and hopefully you're a lucky winner. But the important thing to note is the drawing is going to be on the 3rd, but you, you can only buy tickets to July 31st, to the end of uh, July, to get That's your correct. tickets by midnight, uh, well, 11.59 p.m. on July 31st. So get your tickets in July or else you will be out of the chance to, to be in that drawing. The reason for that is it falls on a weekend this year. And Mike, how did this come about? The ultimate raffle? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I know you've sort of really taken it and run with it, but, you know, we have so many events through the years and, and everything else. How did, I mean, who, what was the genesis of someone saying, you know what, let's put together an awesome group of things and use it as a, as a, I guess, a countrywide or a worldwide opportunity to, for folks to have a chance of winning some of these awesome prizes? The awesome answer, their actual truth of the matter is, I had been a regional director for 12 years. 
And when I was promoted to director of field operations, it was very difficult for me to not be a profit center, to not be, uh, to not have a way to raise money and help the organization and help Mule Deer financially. Although I was advising guys and helping them in their own separate regions, I wanted to contribute from a financial standpoint. So I, I decided that we could do a raffle that would be nationwide, everybody all inclusive. And I thought we could, we started to chop away and build it with, you know, bows and guns. And then, then it evolved into hunts and ATVs and things of that nature. But at the end of the year, this has become, because there's, there's minimal or hardly any cost to put this on outside of printed materials, maybe some of the guns we offer as prizes, as incentives to, to win at, uh, at advance, you know, for the evening giveaways and things of that nature, there's very minimal cost in this. So it was kind of, to be perfectly honest, my way of, of contributing to the organization uh, in a financial way. And so I've, I've had some of the RDs have contacts here and there and everywhere, and, and I've asked for help. And, and now that RDs have, you know, with their contacts within their regions have, have supported the effort and uh, they, you know, the, the, the guy in that's donating the moose hunt, that was a contact of Dan McKinley. The coos deer hunt is a contact of, of uh, Colleen Paynes. Uh, the Nebraska deer hunt is a Colleen, uh, or a, a contact of John Gephardt. So now all the RDs are contributing to it. I, I somewhat manage it and I do probably the negotiations and getting guys in and getting everything figured out. But for the most part, everyone's contributing to it now. And it's a, it's a great fundraising source to, to help the organization and help Mule Deer. It's such an awesome thing. And the only complaint I have about it, I've never had my tickets drawn. <laughs> Dang, never. <it. laughs> no, it's a really good program. So ticket prices are $10 for one entry, $20 for three entries, mm -hmm. and on up from there. I guess I'm looking at the website right now, up to 500 entries for $1,000. How many folks, what are the odds like? Do you know that? answer mike i mean is this getting you know astronomical lotto odds or do they stay pretty solid we keep increasing I, I, as you remember three or four years ago we had maybe five items on the list you know and then we went to seven items and then now we're at nine items i think we'll probably ultimately cap it at, at 10 items to keep the quality of the items that we're they're giving away you know just we want it top tier stuff and 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 we want it to be something that that if you win you've won something substantial I, the odds, I think, probably aren't that great, but but you can you can rest assured that when you're buying those tickets, even if you're not a winner, you're still contributing to the the betterment of, of mule deer. And I think that that's that's kind of where you have to come away. Not everybody's not always a winner, Steve. I don't know if you've been to Vegas, but <laughs> too many you know, times. <laughs> at, at, at least here, just by supporting the organization and our and our goals and objectives and and our mission statement, that's what we're doing here. You know, we've we've got these great prizes, and if you didn't win. You can still feel good about supporting Mule Deer. So that's, now more that's than ever, too. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Now more than ever, this is a great opportunity. It's just one more of those chances, considering we're not having uh, as many banquets as, as we normally would, and you know, other revenue opportunities might, may not be as as solid. This is a great chance to do something good for for wildlife, to do something good for mule deer, help the organization. Hey, one thing I can throw out to our listeners is if if you got a refund check from your applications because you didn't draw. Here's an opportunity to try again. You know, we've got a, a moose hunt, a cow's deer hunt, Absolutely. a mule deer hunt. You know, hey, maybe you get lucky on this raffle versus your state uh, license raffle. So, Mike, you mentioned something um, very important to us and something we've really been trying to highlight recently is, is, is you're just not so sending money to 
an organization that doesn't really live up to its mission, as you mentioned, by supporting the ultimate raffle and everything else that we, you know, put out there for support, actually you're supporting mule deer. And and recently I saw a picture of you and your new grandbaby helping on a project down in Utah. That's a perfect example of, of the type of things that the mule deer foundation does. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that project? It's, it's been an ongoing uh, mortality study on fawn, on fawns. And the way this works is they capture does in the wintertime. This is, uh, this is the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, right? Yes, is that... it is. Yes, this okay. is specifically in the northern region of Utah. Okay. And I, we were fortunate enough several years ago, you may have seen some pictures of us, and the helicopter was we were bringing deer in, and they were, they were checking these deer for fat thickness and, and, and overall health and, and prick checking them to see if they were pregnant. Well, those same deer get a, uh, it's called a VID. VIT. It's a vaginal implant. Yep. And so, yes, VIT, VIT, thank yes. you. And so when, when the VIT, that's right, VIT. And so when they're out on the, the fawning grounds or the, you know, the, when they're getting ready to have their fawns, when, when they have their babies, it sends an email directly to the local, the biologist or, or the BYU students that are over the study. And so they know those babies are on the ground. And so at that point, uh, in the last three years, I've had the opportunity to participate three times. The first time it was a, it was on a Thursday, and and they called us up, and we run up and and, and got to participate. And it's a, it's a really unique opportunity. Uh, this this last year, the pictures that you guys more recently seen, uh, the babies were born at eight thirty in the morning, and by the time we got into the area that they were in, it was probably close to four thirty in the afternoon, and we knew where they were. We found the we found the area in which the the fawns were born, and then you circle out, and there were probably six of us there and we, we couldn't find the fawns and and they had had to tell you how close the breeding season was this year they had done 24 fawns in in three days so they were all hitting the ground about the same time so these byu students and biologists were just running like crazy but uh we circle around and and my daughter was actually standing there for five or ten minutes and and the, the biologist walked up and said they've got to be right here and we looked down and we'd been standing next to one for for probably 10 minutes they're just there, wow. There's no, there's no odor. They're, they're very well camouflaged. Um, she says there's got to be another one, and then oh, maybe another five or ten minutes. But we were probably there a half hour before we located the first one. Once we found the first one, we kind of just circled out from it and were able to find the second one. So, long story short, they take uh, measurements, weights, uh, overall condition, and then they, they, they fit them with a radio collar. Uh, at which point they, when we, so we pull out of there. Uh, and they get an email again that says that that mother's now come back. We, we kind of jumped her. She was with oh, maybe 75 yards where the fawns were. They get an email that says she's now back with those fawns. Within 30 minutes of us leaving those fawns, that doe was back on, on back with the fawn, which I thought was interesting because when you post a picture of, of touching a fawn on, on social media, everybody's first you know words are how horrible <laughs> we are. But this study is, is, is so important to mule deer, that, and we, we all were wearing gloves, anyone that touched a deer was wearing rubber, rubber gloves. Point being, they last year's, uh, I guess, the information that comes of that can determine, okay, was it predation? Was it coyotes? Was it a lion? Was it highway mortality? You know, was it an accident? And, and the, we're capturing such valuable information to determine how, you know, the buttons we can maybe push to, to increase the chance of survival on these fawns in the recruitment of our mule deer herd. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, as, as you know, I'm, I'm a brand new grandpa and of three months now and my granddaughter was there with my daughter and we all hiked in together as a family and and just enjoyed that opportunity that we just this blessing that we have to be part of the outdoors and wildlife conservation and got to got to help the biologists they allowed us to 
uh, weigh the animal. They have almost like a camouflage pillowcase. They put them in and they weigh the, the animal to, you know, to make sure the health is good because they're twins. And it was just a, it was a great opportunity and a lot of fun to be part of. And then we get the email updates because you know, we've been part of it and we get to kind of track those, those deer throughout the year and see how they do. And, you know, some make it and some don't. And, and it's uh, just such valuable information to, to the species as a whole that I'm just blessed. Yeah. To be so were you it. working with Brock and Randy on that That's then? Such a cool project. They're, they're over the program. We're working with, uh, uh, the, originally it was Sydney Lamb, and she's now taken a job with the state of Utah as a biologist. She was actually there with okay. us. That's who we'd met three years ago. She was originally over the study, and now it's a little gal named Tabitha and uh, a couple other BYU students. And, I mean, these kids work their tails off. I'm not kidding you. You know, 24 fawns in three days over some big, big country and private land and pr- public land. And, and they, they're just amazing. The, the, the up-and-coming biologists in our state agencies throughout the West, I'm so excited about this new breed of biology, the passion that they have for wildlife and mule deer, especially it's, it's good to know they're on our team. By us supporting these projects, you know, the researchers, Randy Larson and Brock McMillan, uh, very good friends of the organization, very good friends of ours personally, and the work they do on mule deer in Utah and throughout the West is just, you know, really fantastic and phenomenal and allows us to manage these species better, but, you know, we, we talk about, you know, what do we do with proceeds? Well, we support this research. We, you know, end up supporting projects that these biologists that come through the research, we end up giving money to the organization, in this case, the Utah Division of Wildlife to help manage better. And then we get people out on the ground to see this stuff and, you know, to be able to tell the story. I know, Mike, you have a long, lots of stories about volunteer activity, and it really does show that, you know, we're giving back and we're spending that that hard-earned and well-deserved support that we get from our uh, people that buy tickets and attend events and give us money is really going directly back to the resource. Um, and, and it's great to see, you know. It, it really is. And when, when you mentioned volunteers, uh, you know, I have family members that, that were there, you know, when we went up and, and, and had that opportunity to, to capture the fawns that are on a Weber Davis chapter. They're, they're, a, they're actually volunteers for the Mule Deer Foundation. And, and they were there to support mule, the Mule Deer and that particular cause. And, and from their chapter, they'll get sweat equity hours for having participated in that, that, that'll, you know, that are recognized that are volunteer breakfast in Salt Lake at Expo. So they were there doing their, their volunteer stuff, representing their chapter, which was, was, was great. All right. So Mike, bringing this back full circle, you know, the information that, that you and the folks in Utah get from this fawn mortality study will allow the biologists to go out and determine, is it a habitat issue? Is it a weather issue? Is it a predation issue? And I can actually make some changes so that our deer have a chance to thrive and sustain and, you know, meet the objectives out there so that we can have the opportunities to continue hunting them, continuing to go wild, wildlife watching and knowing that we're doing the best thing we can to manage our mule deer species out there. So it's, you know, oftentimes folks don't make that connection with, oh, you're just out there handling animals. But in this case, it really does come full circle. And to have MDF staff and volunteers and associates and partners involved in this is really cool. It's why I do what I do. And it's the, it's the reason that, you know, one of the reasons I was so attracted to the organization to begin with is because it really does the things we invest in and the things that we support actually end up making a difference out on the landscape for deer. Now, Mike, what I was going to ask or wonder about is 
um, you know, this is a volunteer opportunity kind of post COVID that's starting to get on. And, and obviously we're there, the agencies may or may not have been going forward with certain things before, but now allowing a few volunteers to get back on the ground. Uh, is this going on in other states besides Utah, as, you, as far as you know? It is. I mean, uh, we've got RDs that have projects opening up. We were kind of froze up there for about 60 days with, with really little or no interaction, you know, with the social distancing and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And and more recently, over the last couple of weeks, there's projects planned. I, I would say three or four that I've talked to personally of the RDs have projects this upcoming weekend, uh, whether it be guzzler repair or maintenance. Uh, I think Steve mentioned that uh, Marshall was planting bushes today in, in North Dakota. Uh, there's several that are there. It is starting to loosen up in regards to allowing our people to, to be you know, together on the landscape in regard, you know, participating in projects and things of that nature. So that's fantastic. And some events too, are there events about to be happening? I, I think I've seen a few thin notices that are coming out about either beers for deers or, or other events that are revving back up again. Yeah, we've got, uh, looks like Montana is going to be one of the first states to probably have their events. We've got banquets scheduled in July in the next, oh, two to three weeks. Uh, Chris Fortune is the regional director up there, and he's got them lined up through August. And and a lot of these events that you're seeing in July and August were were probably scheduled in April, May, and mm -hmm. have just been pushed back this far. And 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 you know there'll be some restrictions in regards to gathering size, and and we're gonna you know follow all the recommendations of social distancing and and masks will be provided to, you know to, as needed kind of thing, and we're, the hand sanitizer and stuff. But it looks like they're gonna be the one of the first ones to open up. I know Arizona was kind of on the cusp of allowing uh, gatherings of, of, you know, limited size. Of course, we're not going to see those events, those 500 person events for some time, but, but it uh, looks like we can jump back in here in the next, oh, I would say 45 to 60 days, you're going to start seeing some of these events uh, take place again. Well, and that's great news because I think, you know, obviously as, as members and as people who are passionate about the organization, the mission and what gets done on the ground is important. And the other part is the camaraderie. It's it's the getting to know and spend the time with the people who have a passion just as, as strong as you do for conservation. And, and those events, that that time to interact really gives you a chance to, to have that connection with other people who care about mule deer and conservation. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's just, you know, you see these folks, they're special people, all of them, volunteers, people that are, that care about wildlife and are, are passionate and invested in the species you know this challenge this covid challenge that we're facing they don't they didn't stop everybody didn't stop in their tracks and say now now what they thought about ways to to maintain a revenue source by means of raffle or silent auction and volunteers are uh doing pre-banquet raffles and you know selling tickets to banquet rifles and things of that nature leading up to their events so it's they're a, they're a unique group of people now shifting gears a little bit um this episode is going to be published in about a week, Mike, or over the 4th of July uh, week. Uh, one of the things Jody and I talked about doing, and we did it for our Memorial Day, was looking back at the 60-plus episodes we've done and just saying, you know, what are our top tens? And so, you know, we've run the numbers. We've looked at it. Um, you know, uh, an idea that sort of was a garage band idea, that pe two people that really didn't know what they were doing, but they knew they could talk. Um so, so the top 10 episodes, um, it just in top 10 order, are this. Muley Slayer, Mark Smith, Powder Hook. The first one we did, MDF President and CEO Miles Moretti. 
Jason Matzinger with Project Mule Deer, the Utah Mule Deer Conversation, Wyoming Migration Initiative, Talking Arizona with Jim Heffelfinger and Jake Yeager, Heartland Bowhunter, the conversation we had with Jim Zumbo, and our conversation with uh, RD for Colorado, Marty Holmes, and Andy Holland from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. So from just a pure number standpoint, those are the top 10. And I can understand why, I, I mean, I, that conversation we had with Mark with uh, Muley Slayer was fantastic. I really enjoyed that one. And obviously there's a lot of people who know him, um, follow him on social media. It makes sense that that's a good one. And Matt Singer's another one. Jason is always so eloquent. Um, and I really enjoyed those conversations. And Heartland Bowhunter, again, those guys tend to talk about the tactics. Yeah, the, the conversation with Matt, um, Matt Kaufman and, and staff with the Migration Initiative, you know, something near and dear to me and and then of course you know the jim zumbo bringing in his daughter's situation you know i so really mike you know i don't know if you listen to this i'm hoping as a staffer you listen to these but you know what are the ones outside of the top 10 that you would push people to because what we're trying to do is get folks to understand why we do this podcast and and what we where we want to go with this this is all about the mule deer foundation and the mule deer foundation's work and our partners and isn't about necessarily our guests' opinion or even Jody and I's uh, opinion. What we're really trying to do is keep this focused on, on the organization and the conservation of mule deer. So do you have a couple, Mike, that are out there? I know I do. Um, I, have, I have three. I think probably the most important of the three are the, the, the corridors and the impact on mule deer. And that was, that was pretty insightful. And I think that is as big a deal as that is and is going to be for the, the foreseeable future, that's one people should, should listen to. I, I, that's, that's a fan favorite for me. Uh, number two on my list, to be honest with you, is I, I like the, the women in the outdoors one, the ladies you know, of MDF. You had Colleen on there, um, Julie Moretti. That was fun. I, I thought, and, and, and Jody, you kind of, it just all kind of worked out. I thought, you know, the largest growing demographic in the outdoor industry is, is women, women engaging in the outdoors and wildlife and conservation and hunting. I think that's one that, that people should listen to. And then I think that from a volunteer standpoint, I think the state of the MDF, I think the ones that, I think people want to know what the organization's up to. I think they really want to know what the plans are for the future, what we're engaged in, what we're participating in, where our thoughts are on things. And I think the state of the, Mule Deer Foundation ones that with Moretti or any of the other ones that you've had that updates from MDF, I think are ones that people should should stop back and revisit. Those are kind of probably my top those are really three good ones. Not in the top oh. ten. So um, I love Chad Marsh's share. I love Chad Marsh's share. Oh, yeah. I can listen to them every day, all day. They're, I, think I know they're amazing they're people. <laughs> such wonderful people, and I really enjoyed that. Was that was actually one of mine uh, on my list of of additional ones. So here's my list. Um, uh, Dr. Mule Deer, anything with Jim Heffelfinger. Jim is such a wealth of knowledge. We're in the middle of, of writing the new Mule Deer book. Um, and, you know, Jim's going to be one of the editors of that. I'm taking a lead on a chapter, part of other chapters, along with most of the Mule Deer uh, conservation biologists that are out there right now still working. And so, you know, we're going to be bringing Jim on here in a few weeks talking about the the most updated range-wide trend basically a state of the mule deer from a biological standpoint where are we at so anything with with jim would, would make my top 10 
Um, the one we did with Ike Eastman and Sean, what the Eastmans have done, I said it on that one. You know, it's one of the reasons I love mule deer. It was because of what the Eastmans did. So, um, and then the, uh, a couple others, the Idaho fishing game one, it's a season three. We've got some, uh, great work going on in Idaho. We're, we're getting ready to, to make a hire out there. They're becoming one of our bigger partners from a larger landscape grants, uh, cooperative program. And then, of course, you cannot understand where this organization came from without understanding why Mr. Emmett Burroughs started it all. So that, that that would be the other one is really understanding why he, you know, got the idea, put it into action, and has been part of the organization to, through to today. Yeah, that was a good one. That was really interesting to hear his story and to, to go back when and, and get his perspective on that, no doubt. So, you know, I came from the Washington, D.C. world. My early career was working on conservation policy, uh, working on legislation. So to me, some of the most important episodes that don't necessarily get a lot of downloads, but I think make the biggest impact, though people don't always like to realize it or get frustrated enough with policy that they don't want to think about it, are the conservation policy talks we've had, particularly with Jeff Crane uh, with the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Obviously, Jeff and I worked together for a number of years, and he's like a brother to me. And But he is... Uh, he is so eloquent on on talking about and making conservation policy issues understandable. And um, as it's relevant right now, Stephen and uh, Mike, as you know, we passed the Great American Outdoors Act out of the Senate just last week. Uh, and it's on track for House consideration here in the next few towards the end of July. And that is a huge deal. That would fully fund the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Jody, can I hop in right here? I want to ask you a question. I saw something today. And I forget who wrote it, but they said that is a Rooseveltian accomplishment, meaning Teddy Roosevelt. Would you agree with that sentiment? I would say it absolutely ranks up there with some of the biggest conservation laws that have passed. The Land and Water Conservation Fund passed in the 1960s, 1965, I believe, and it was authorized to receive $900 million a year, every year, for land conservation, easements, access, local state parks, um, and it has received a fraction of that over the years, and yet it has done some of the most amazing things. Over the years, we have, um, we've, there's been a lot of advocacy efforts that have moved it along, but in last year in the Dingle Act, which Jeff Crane talks about in his uh, podcast, we were able to get that fully uh, reauthorized uh, in perpetuity, but it didn't include mandatory spending for it still, even though it's supposed to have a revenue source from offshore oil and gas and that it's it's supposed to be there every year. It, it's not. And, and it, it has uh, gotten bogged up in that. So getting that kind of money dedicated for conservation and importantly for sportsmen, um, the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, Mule Deer Foundation, and a number of others advocated for some of that funding up to, I believe it's, I don't know if it's $15 million, 10% of the funding. I can't remember exactly the, the numbers on that, but dedicated for uh, access. So anytime there's a small property that is blocking ability to get to a big piece of public land, this will allow 
willing seller easements, access easements, or acquisitions to accommodate easier access points for sportsmen and other recreationists. So yeah, I would put that up there. Uh, and adding to the deferred maintenance uh, budget, admin, what is it, $9.5 million dollars over five yeah. years yeah. for federal yeah. lands, parks, um, facilities. I'm sorry, billion. I said million. It is $9.5 billion over five years. So yeah, I think... Um, I started my career working on conservation funding issues, and the biggest focus was wildlife uh, funding to add on to uh, and provide new funding sources for state wildlife agencies. To me, that would be the only piece of the puzzle left um, because the, the Land and Water Conservation Fund is something else that I've worked on my entire 25-year career that um, I think <laughs> – sorry, I didn't mean to cough there. Well, you're getting choked up. Um, so what do we need to do, Jody? Just plug to our listeners – this is going to be on the House floor mid-July, I heard today. You need to call your 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 congressman or congresswoman and say, Yeah, vote late July. Yes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is our chance. The Senate obviously only have two members per state. Um, it, it's a little easier to call, but you only have one representative that represents your hometown. So it's a pretty easy call uh, to make and, and to listen to their constituents on this one. This is worth it call them up, say, I support the Great American Outdoors Act. I hope you'll vote for it. Encourage them to make sure that it comes to the floor for a vote. Uh, it's expected to. Uh, it's got very strong vote likelihood, uh, and, and the president has said he'll sign it. So we, we could be on the cusp of a conservation victory that, that I don't think any of us have anticipated seeing. And, and quite frankly, we've been lucky with that, like I said, with the Dingle Act. And go back to some of those old mule deer found, uh, talking mule deer podcasts with Crane and, and others and, and Miles, and, and you'll get an update on some of those programs as well. Um, so that, that, that would be a big one for me. Um, this is one of our more recent ones, and so I don't think it's had enough time to catch up to some of these other ones, but I strongly recommend everybody listen to the Mark Duda Responsive Management Human Dimensions talk that we did. I think that was only two or three episodes ago. Um, that is incredibly relevant. He has done research for, for 30 plus years on hunting and, and people's opinions about hunting, but most recently he was hired to also test messages on how the average public perceives hunting hunters talking about and how you can more effectively be in a conversation and talk to a person who may not have a strong opinion about hunting and help them understand why it's important to you. And, and Mark gives you great tips on that. He gives information and, and research that he's he has grounded in, in years and years of study. And I think that is uh, in going to be incredibly valuable to anybody who has ever gotten into a dinner party or something and started to talk to somebody who who just starts to take them to task about hunting. Um, <laughs> this gives you a, a what what to say and what not to say. What what are the things that people that hear that go, well that doesn't that doesn't make me feel any better about what you're saying you do. So so that would be another one that I think uh, is is really worth uh, listening to. The other two that I have flagged here personally Johnny Morris, um, he is such an icon uh, in what he has done with his businesses and in conservation. And we just, um, Mule Deer Foundation just received $125,000 from the Bass Pro Shops Cabela's Outdoor Fund. Um, and, and so he supports conservation at so many levels. So just because of who he is, listening to Johnny and his son, John Paul, that was back in season one. It was one of our first episodes we did. So we're going to wind it up here. Um, Mike, bringing you back in. How can folks know more about the ultimate giveaway, 
the auctions that are going on, the events that are taking place. Give us the website and make your final plug for this stuff. You can go to muledeer.org and buy your tickets online to support uh, the Ultimate Raffle. We're gonna, again, we're going to draw that August 3rd. Uh, it is going to be Facebook Live, so tune in and watch. We're just trying to find a Tumblr to put tickets in, so it'll be a good day. We're going to have lunch and, and do Facebook Live and give that away. If, you, if you're so inclined to, to support your local chapter, uh, go online. Uh, follow your Facebook pages and social media. Almost every chapter that we, we're, that we have has a, has a Facebook or social media presence. They're doing raffles. They're, they're preparing for their events. Go out and support them. I, you know, so often, and I know Steve and Jody have heard me say this more times than we can count, is what are you doing for you? You know, what are you doing for your opportunities and, and what are you doing to benefit Mule Deer? You need to participate. Uh, support a banquet, support a raffle, uh, do whatever you can to support this uh, iconic species, you know, Mule Deer. Absolutely. We need to make a pitch too, Steve. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to bring up next is you, the listener, have a chance to give Jody and I and the organization your thoughts. Hopefully they're kind thoughts. But your thoughts on what we should be covering, questions you may have, or future topics that you want to see us cover. And so you can let us know through our Facebook social media page. It's uh, Talking Mule Deer on, the, on Facebook. And then more importantly, and Instagram. And we also have a email account so it's podcast at muledeer.org and i believe if you if we use a topic or your question on air we're gonna send you i think we're pushing out some hats right now either a knit skull cap or a, a one of our uh, yeah desirable chucker caps so um that's meal that's podcast at muledeer.org or talking mule deer on facebook and uh hope or Instagram and give us that feedback. You know, all too often we hear uh, later that, Hey, we'd really like you to cover it. And as we ramp up, you know, starting doing these more, uh, I won't say live, but closer to airing, you know, we're going to be looking for those things that are topical. I know we've all drawn our tags. We want to talk about prep for the season. We want to talk about maybe some taxidermy tips. Um, maybe we'll do some cooking stuff, you know, and, and those are the sorts of things, but really it's what we're trying to push here is, is that MDF, you know, is really going to use this platform to promote itself, to promote the work that we do and to give information to our supporters. That's going to help them be a better mule deer conservationist. Yeah. Well, and he said, don't give us bad feedback, but if you have some suggestions, if you have something that you, you think we could do, be doing better, let us know. We've got thick skin, but we'd also like to hear um, things on how we could do it better. Uh, what we can do to make you our listeners. Yeah. So happy 4th of July, everyone stay safe. Make sure your fireworks are in a safe spot. Uh, stay healthy out there. Follow your COVID-19 guidelines. Let's put this disease to rest so we don't have to worry about this uh, for the rest of our lives. Let, let's really do a good job, be a good citizen out there. So happy 4th of July. Happy birthday, America. And until next time, I'm Steve Belinda. And I'm Jody Stemler. And thank you for talking Mule Deer. Thanks for talking Mule Deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkin' Mule Deer.